Church Boys. This is the Church Boys. Leave a message. Hi, this is Laura Hallwell, Billy's mother, calling. I just wanted to call and say how wonderful I think it is that Billy is working with that Chris Field fellow on that on that podcast of theirs. Oh, he's such a such a good boy. Billy. We're starting this right now. So, because you and I half of silence, right? After you, because we haven't done this for more than a year. I, I, oh. I usually record my conversations with your mom, our our weekly Sunday evening conversations. You're but I hadn't, I hadn't patient. been. So, so <laughs> she's, oh she's a lovely mental patient. She's, Should we? She's a she's a lovely woman. She's a lovely woman. But um, so I but uh, I was thinking, did you see the pictures of her? Did she share the pictures with you that she shared with me of her and her and her COVID mask and her N95 mask? <laughs> there are actual real photos that my mom and she's going to if she ever listens to this, she is going to murder me. But there's a photo of her with like a respirator mask on and um, shopping with gloves on. And it is epic. I had to send it to Chris. So we better we better address the elephant in the room. Billy, how are you? And we're not, I'm just kidding. <laughs> People can I probably hear that. Do this. People... I cannot do this. The fact that this is happening again. And by the way, nobody believes this because we send out these little things saying, oh, there's going to be oh, the top secret to our like 12 fans. There's going to be a big show coming. You just wait. And everyone's like, yeah, we'll believe it. Let me see it. And here we are doing this. And we've added some extra fun into the mix. Yeah, well, fun. I mean, it's a pastor for crying out loud. How much fun can it be? So yeah, we have we do have a special guest today who's filling in a third chair for us. He's much. He, he requ- regretting this. He, he's going to, he requires he's a much thinnest one of the. Three yeah, I was going to say he requires a much smaller shape. chair than the two of us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, go ahead and introduce our our quote friend here, Billy. So our quote friend, actually, so it's crazy because for I don't know, probably three, four. It's longer than that now. For years now, maybe three, four years, Lucas. This is Lucas Miles, by the way. So all of you know, you know Lucas Miles. Say hello, Lucas. Hey, what's happening? It's good to be here. I think. You think? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that cautiousness is probably the best when it comes to the show. And you know, side with uh, it kind of like oh, how sweet. Just cheering for That's, cheering for Lucas. That actually sounded like a crowd being trampled <laughs> he, by an elephant. He actually he actually sent that to me. It was recording from his <laughs> one of his recent sermons at his church. <laughs> right, yeah. He requires his uh, congregation to cheer for him when he comes up. We yeah, they have to stand up when I come in the room and everything. <laughs> <laughs> they call him Lucas Copeland. Um but you know, so Oh, I. <laughs> you have to be careful. I I know people. <laughs> I know. We actually can't go there because Lucas um, is one of the demons who is trying to exercise. But so oh, no. we decided we were like we're gonna have more fun if we're gonna do this. We're gonna do it big, and we're gonna add a third chair here today. And Lucas was roped into this against his better judgment. He is here for the show. How do you I... feel about it, Lucas? How are you feeling? You know what? I I brought some vinyl gloves just in case it got messy, and uh, I'm doing actually putting gloves on. Yeah, I'm putting gloves on right now. Where's your face mask? Because the face mask is in the car. But if I need to go get it, I will. So Corona or no Corona, with Chris Field, you need a face mask. Oh wait. (laughs) 
So Lucas, tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. You're you're a pastor. Where do you live? Where do you where do you pastor? Yeah, so I pastor at a church called Influence Church in Granger, Indiana, outside of South Bend, uh, who a lot of people might know because of uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg that was just running for president. Now, so that's the guy you were backing, right? Is that right? <laughs> Not so much. Okay. Not so much. Um, we, well, I have interviewed him before, so right. we, we, have, we have a history. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm an author. I have a book called Good God, working on a couple others, do some filmmaking, uh, and I host another podcast show that's a little saner than this called The Lucas Miles Show, okay. hosted a by little, a, second, a little a, saner. A second a tier, a second well, tier podcast. Well, Billy's mom doesn't call in, but aside from that, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> See, you My don't... mom just can't stop calling, Chris. I don't <laughs> oh, know why. I've got, a whole, I've got a whole slew of recordings of Laura's phone calls. Does she wear purple gloves when she's out at the grocery store like yours, Billy, or no? no? So here's the thing. I want to talk about the purple gloves, okay? They, there were no options for me. And uh-huh. I'm like the person – by the way, I had a grocery delivery yesterday, which did arrive, and we were waiting for two weeks for it. It, it emerged. No bread. I was missing a lot of the things I needed. But I stood outside in shorts and literally a Lysol can spraying the air after the, the delivery man left, and I wiped down every item with my purple gloves on with a wet wipe. So that is the that's the life I'm living. I'm living my best life here. Why like is everybody it. shocked by this? You have to wipe your groceries You're a down. Are the fields not wiping their groceries down? For crap's sake, no, Billy. Why are you not wiping your? Well, I don't know. I listen, listen. Groceries is not in. <laughs> <laughs> groceries are not in my purview, right? I have tasked the wife with that's that's her job. Okay, so she takes well, care listen. of groceries and cooking and cleaning, right? I take care of you know. Pooping and watching television. You also clean the toilets. We've talked That's about true. this. That's, so I, I know that. that you do scrub toilet. Really good. <clears throat> so Anyway. So you're a I pastor. My- you're pretty secure in this pastor job you have right now, I take it? Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been, I started preaching at 17. So I just turned 40 this last year. So I got 23 years of doing wow. this. We've been at the church that we planted uh, for going on 16 years. Wow. So doing the whole virtual thing right now, we're considered an essential business in the state of Indiana. So oh, that's great. I get to drive around and show up on Sundays and do our live stream. So uh, now- do you guys have people in the church, like a lot of people in the church with you? Um, if we did, I wouldn't say, but <laughs> but but no, we don't. Yeah. No, it's uh, we, we've actually made it a point to stay under 10 we have a couple people on our tech team, you know, worship band, and then usually Chrissy and I. So uh, it's under 10 people, and so we've just kind of kept it at that. We have kind of a fit. We have like a four-tier plan. Level four, like if it goes like nuclear, it's like just me in my basement, like with my iPhone, you know, streaming on Sundays from there. Right. So, I, you know, while I don't want to get too serious, and we need to let people know who you are, but like, where are you guys on this whole God won't strike us dead, so we're going to have 30,000 people show up at our church in the middle of a pandemic? How do we feel? I mean, for me as a pastor, I I took a early on. I was going, this is not going to be a big thing. I don't think we have to like get in fear about it. And I still sort of, you know, feel that I think the numbers that we're hearing are worst case scenarios. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be as big as that. But I, I I think that we also have to use wisdom and use caution. And so you know, we've really encouraged our people. So like right away, we canceled you know services. We went we went uh, virtual with everything. 
And so these churches that are like kind of feel like they're getting infringed upon their constitutional rights by not meeting in large groups. You know, I, I just think it's overkill. And I think that there's there's bigger battles to fight, is my opinion. Gotcha. So okay. they look like dum-dums. Sorry. They look like total. Dumb. <laughs> Let me just put it out there. I'm going to summarize that in a non-Christian way. They so, look like total dum-dums and it's a little foolish. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that, and I, and yeah. I do, I think that's, I think there's a discussion to be had about that. I do want to ask a, a couple more questions of Lucas. So did you, did you do the seminary thing? No, I didn't. Uh, I went to um, Purdue University and IU for uh, philosophy and religious studies. Okay. But I just barely got a degree, so mm-hmm. I am uh, I'm pretty much kind of a like give me a book, but don't put me in a classroom sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, but we went to a uh, a church out in Ohio, actually near Toledo, that had an in-house ministry training school. So mm-hmm. this guy who uh, started the church had been a Bible college professor for years. So we went through like an 18 month program, um, but it was very discipleship oriented, but really like, you know, from a, from a pastor standpoint, uh, it's just kind of, you know, learning in the trenches. Uh, my very first day as a youth pastor, we had a girl show up at the church who said that she was, um, that, that basically she was homeless and she was like 17 years old, like just said, said had been on the street for like three or four years and the cops showed up and I had to chase her like with the cop and like tackled her on stairs and they found out like she was like a crook and like had like you know was escaped from juvie or something uh, so that's pretty much like been the start of my ministry career and it's just gotten crazier from yeah. there all right and so you're married and your yes. wife's name is chrissy yeah chrissy okay now i've never met chrissy i've seen pictures i've She's seen awesome. pictures of you with your She's wife awesome. i've heard She's way smarter than i am i was gonna say i've, I've heard way really better. good things about her she's a she seems like a lovely lady do you guys have kids no kids. No, no kids. We got, a Do- we got a Doberman and a cat. All right. How long have you been married? Uh, we've been married. It'll be 19 years wow. uh, in May. Good for you. That's great. Yeah. So you and I have very little in common. I mean, we have some things in common, right? But I'm just thinking. <laughs> so, Lucas is smart. Lucas, Lucas is smart. Chris is a dummy, right? Chris is, you know, shackled with kids. Lucas is free to do whatever it is he pleases. <laughs> but we have one thing that tie. We have one tie that binds us, Lucas. You know what that is? A mutual hatred of Billy. I, I, I thought you were gonna get like all corny and be like, you know, get like uh, whatever. Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. <laughs> I hate these guys. So now we can get into some serious discussions. Now that we get we we know who Lucas is and what it is he can does. We start, and wait, can we wait, just go ahead? Can we address the fact that Lucas keeps emerging in these like private White House meetings? That's where I wanted. Leaders? That's where I wanted to start. He comes up and he tags people. Like I got tagged on some sort of nonsense thing that he had a phone a phone call with the president. <laughs> And the worst part is they're letting him in. Well, it's <laughs> that's they're not it, letting me in. I know, know that's that. not a chance. <laughs> I, I, I walk. I'm like Kaiser Soze. Basically, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> so tell us about these 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 phone calls you're on, or these White House meetings, or whatever it is you're doing. Well, allegedly, I'm sure I'm sure that I'm going to be uninvited after they find out that I'm doing this podcast. So <laughs> or I'm associating I'm, with us in general. Yeah, yeah, that's completely going to happen, but. Um, so far I have fooled them and it is a, so the white house hosts a, 
Um, right now they're weekly, but oh. I think the the schedule will change when there's not you know a worldwide pandemic um, with national faith leaders. And so they've had anywhere between like 900 and 2,000 people on the call. Wow. Um, and uh, this last time, uh, Franklin Graham was on, Trump hosted it, Pence was on. Uh, there was another, there was a Jewish rabbi and then um, uh, a Catholic priest. But I don't, I don't remember either of their names. This right sounds like you're so. setting up a joke here. <laughs> <laughs> was Paula, Paula White was on, yeah. I assume. No, she was. Well, I'm sure she was on the call, but she wasn't talking on the What? Show. Yeah, because she's like am, running the show. Am I allowed to say? Stage. Am I allowed to say that I find that hard to believe, or is that going to alienate? Or is that going Stop to alienate people? I had a wonderful three-hour lunch with her. Um, <laughs> I've met her husband on my show before, and he's, oh, yeah. he's actually he was, really interesting. Yeah. They both—they're both really interesting people, yeah. regardless of theology and conversations people want to have about them. They're very nice people. I just—I just need to shut up. Um, <laughs> I can't I like say anything because I don't—I do. don't know them. So, Everybody goes and they just want me. This is what everyone does to me because I can't stop. So that everyone knows I'm going to say something, but I stopped. I, I actually have nothing. I really think they're very kind people. Um, having yeah, said that, <laughs> I know I need to stop. Um, so these 900 people, um, are there a lot of people on there that we would know? Like, I'm sure it's a semi-private sort of thing. Well, it's not like it's a, zo- a giant Zoom call that I have like 900 boxes and I can see like <laughs> I would who love each that. person is. Like, oh, Nancy in Oklahoma, you know? <laughs> I mean, you're watching like Dr. Dobson eat a ham sandwich in his Brady Bunch blog. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that imagery. I just, stop. I no, 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 no. <laughs> I just pictured a hand falling out. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm done. I am done. <laughs> this show is done already. Um, okay. Just mustard okay. just dripping on the table. Oh my gosh. We need a group exorcism. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I don't know who all is on the call. I have a lot of mutual friends that are on the call and uh, other pastors that I know around the country that are on it. But, um, you know, I don't know at any given time who's actually, like, on the call. So do they send you a secret code every week to dial in? They do give you a secret code, and they say very explicitly you can't <laughs> share it with anybody. So it, you yeah, know, it's... sure to send it to me next time, because um, I'd, I'd like to join. Um, I actually, I would love to, I think it's, it's super interesting. And, you know, props to Trump and the administration for holding these calls, you know, like... Yeah. At the end of the day, these are the people who are on the ground. We know this. Churches are on the ground. They're interacting with community. There are few organizations like churches out there that are co- being connected in this way too, right, on this call. Yeah, I mean, it's they they have they have churches. They they, they spoke to kind of the, the greater um, Jewish community. And, you know, the, the rabbi who was on there at the end, uh, Trump asked um, Franklin Graham and the rabbi to lead in a prayer. And the rabbi prayed for the Muslim community, you know, that's out there that's experiencing a lot of these same things, which I thought was really cool, you know, just showing that solidarity. And, you know, it's uh, I mean, how many countries are there that are gathering all their pastors together on a call with their president on a weekly basis? I don't think that many. And uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's really cool. And it's something that I've been excited to participate in, even if I just kind of snuck under the radar in order to get there. Yeah. No, listen, you are, listen, what I love about you is you're one of those leaders who's out there and you do, like you were, when you were telling us about yourself, you make movies, right? You, you write, you do a lot of other things outside of being just a a pastor. And so I think that you've got a lot of different connections, having people like you who aren't, 
And th- listen, I actually think there's a lot of wisdom in having older pastors. So this is not a dig. But when everybody on a phone call is 800 years old, it's nice to have somebody <laughs> who's not right, who's a little bit younger, has a different perspective and who is solid. So I love that you're part of it. Um, what's the big takeaway from these calls? You know, I think that the the big takeaway, first of all, is that the administration is at least trying to reassure uh, pastors and churches that they are for them. And and I think that this, you know, without actually coming out and saying it, I think it's speaking to those concerns of the people that are out there that feel like their rights are being taken away because the church isn't allowed to meet right now. And and I think, you know, we are far from, uh, um, you know, East Berlin or communist China in what's happening. You know, we're under a temporary shutdown because of a disease. And I think that they're really reminding the people that, hey, we're for the church and trying to gear up for moving forward. So is that yeah. that concern about church? And Billy addressed it before we started the show. What, How is the White House answering that question about churches being shut down and how it's a, a violation of, you know, the First Amendment, both, both religious freedom and um, right to assembly? You know, I'm sure that they've addressed this more head, head on in press conferences and those things that are popping up. You know, on the call, I feel like the people that are on there or participating are pretty positive and in support of what's happening and the and, and specifically the administration's position. And so, you know, I can speak for, you know, for me personally, you know, it's I don't see this as an infringement upon the, um, you know, my constitutional rights or my religious freedoms because my church has to, you know, meet virtually for a little bit. If all of a sudden the internet was shut down in conjunction with this and it only affected churches, then I would start going, okay, you know, something else is happening here. But, you know, versus like, I don't know if you guys saw, um, I was David Benham uh, was arrested. Uh, One of the Benham brothers was arrested for uh, doing some sidewalk counseling. Oh, the pro-life guy. What's that? The pro-life guy, right? He was arrested. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he was arrested and, you know, David's a friend of mine. And so I, you know, I saw the video, he'd shared it and, he was arrested for doing sidewalk counseling. And, you know, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm very much pro-life. I'm in support of that. I'm not actively, you know, I don't feel like that's my kind of, you know, main focus, although I am very supportive of, of all of that. Billy, you've actually done a lot more work in that space than I have. But, you know, when the abortion clinic is allowed to stay open, then those that have a 501c3, that's ministries focused on sidewalk counseling, should be allowed to stay open simultaneously. And, and I think he was in the right on that, you know, so we'll see how, how well, the law reads eventually. Not for anything, but what's more dangerous, a bunch of people in a waiting room and then in a, all these people clumped together in an abortion or a person outside, you know, counseling people. I don't, it's a very strange argument that, oh, we were safe to clump everyone together and murder, but we weren't safe <laughs> to let somebody stand outside and oppose well, it. Well, even, yeah. even if you don't think that abortion is murder, the fact that they're all clumped together in the waiting room. I mean, yeah. right. And we it, need to stop using the word clump. It's making me uncomfortable with this conversation. But it's um, like we're because, describing you. you know, You're just, this not just clump. a clump. I just, I can't with these people. I cannot. But I will say the de Blasio stuff, you know, where he's like, I'll shut your church down forever. It's like, okay, well, now, now you've just terrified all of us. Thank you, weirdo. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. And the other, it was the LA mayor press conference where he goes, uh, um, you know, in, in many cases, you know, snitches are a bad thing, but in this case, snitches are going to be rewarded. And if you see somebody out there and everything else, I mean, it's, it's just, it's some of these cities are really crazy. Yeah. 
Well, because you make you set a potentially terrible. We make very bad decisions when we're up against a wall and panicked. I feel like I don't think everybody makes good decisions, particularly government officials, because Mayor de Blasio went from and Chris has heard this tirade. So forgive me. Chris, even I, I don't hey, care what you think. It, it's something um, we need to talk about because de Blasio went from I'm keeping all the schools open. There's nothing to see here to right. we're in a war zone and we're all going to die within like literally 36 hours. So or less. when you look, <laughs> when you look at that, it's, I mean, I would actually say they probably endangered the entire city and I'm not blaming. I would never blame somebody for the circumstance we're in, but we might see a different situation had they been smart and shut things down days before they did. Yeah. So shut up, de Blasio. No, I'm kidding. Don't <laughs> shut up. Keep talking. I need things to rant about. So, so you guys are considered an essential essential business. Is that right? This, yeah, actually, in, in, in Indiana. In Indiana, yes. So, is that your church is, or like a specific ministry within your church? No, the the religious 501c3s are considered essential, Good. and they they specifically Governor Holcomb in Indiana made a statement stating that they encourage churches to continue to live stream. And that was something else that Trump said on the call is he says, I'm just really impressed with, you know, all the ways that churches are pivoting by offering, you know, virtual Sunday school and, you know, classes yeah. and Bible studies. You know, he specifically made mention of that. Well, and we and we I mean, and he blew up a Greg Laurie thing. In fact, Billy, you wanted to talk about this. You wanted are, are we are we putting of commercial? Course Billy wants to talk are, about Greg Laurie. Are we putting <laughs> are we putting commercials in this or not? Uh, not today. Okay. Not I didn't today. know because if Get we wanted to break. Well, no, sitting. I didn't know not if you wanted because we had talked about that thing with the commercials and the thing. Remember the thing that we talked about? I, I mean, honestly, I can't tell you what I did five minutes ago. So, no, I don't remember. But I will tell you that Greg Laurie is wonderful. And I was actually te- I was just sending an email while you two were going on and on about whatever it is you were talking about, about <laughs> Greg Laurie. Uh, because so, so we we had we had Greg Laurie on on the Pure Flix podcast and and that ran this week and he was talking about this crazy thing where Trump and this is where it gets interesting with Trump and I want to talk more about Trump but but Trump tweets you know hey everyone I'm going to be watching you know Sunday ser- Palm Sunday service at harvest.org and that tweet now Greg told me I, I think he had said in our interview that typically he gets thirty thousand people streaming which is amazing like mm-hmm. people would love to have that kind of ministry right. and the day on sunday after trump tweeted on saturday that whole thing he had 1.3 million people tune in to watch service and 11,207 professions for christ so trump who is controversial he's uh, you know can be a nightmare on twitter uh he puts this message out and it's amazing how god uses that message to reach people right and i think that actually calls us to answer some difficult questions about, and I think we know this as Christians, but about the people God uses, right? He did the same thing with Jensen Franklin's church, uh, Free Chapel, you know, a few weeks before that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was the first week of the the quarantine. He said, I'm going to be attending, you know, virtually through Jensen's church. And and so, you know, I mean, this is, it's not the first time he's done that. And, and I think that it says something about, you know, who he is and what he's supporting and whether or not you want to question that, oh, I don't think his intentions are real or all these sort of arguments that people make, like bottom line, he just blew up, you know, he blew up that, that live stream, that virtual service in a huge way. And potentially you could argue that there's 11,000 people that wouldn't have made a, you know, confession of faith without that tweet going out. Yeah. So I have a, I have a question, not that it's relevant to the number of people that attended or, or the number of people who made a profession for Christ. Do you think, do you get the impression that he did tune into those service, services, those sermons? I would say that he did. 
Yes. I think that he, um, I think he has a genuine relationship with these guys. You know, I've had Jensen on my show. I've talked to him, you know, uh, um, you know, about his relationship with Trump before. I think there's a real relationship. I think that, you know, I mean, I know, you know, these, the inner circle of some of these pastors in the room with him, you know, I know, I know several of those people and everything I get back from those people is that there is a genuine, Hmm. you know, desire in him to want to know more about God. Now is, I would say he's a baby Christian in a lot of ways. Like he doesn't have all this figured out, but um, I think that there's a real, you know, desire to, to connect more in that realm. Well, that's great. Well, and, well, and I would add this, you know, when I sat down with Paula White, you know, Paula was friends that she's been friends with Trump for 16 or 17 yeah, years. years. So this this friendship started when he saw her on TV and like called her one day. I think she told me the story. I don't remember all the details, but they have had this friendship. Now, again, you can have the theology debate about, you know, prosperity gospel, whatever you think. But the reality is he has shown interest, you know, in this realm. Do I think he shows the fruit that people would like to see from a 10-year, two-year, one-year Bible reading Christian. Not not always. We know that. Um, I can't judge his heart. And Greg Laurie said as much, too. I mean, we, we don't know. But what we do know is that it had an impact on people. Uh, do, do I think he's only doing it because he wants, you know, this group of people to vote for him? I don't really care. 11,207 people accepted Christ. So I think we need to be smart about how much we align with, and when I say align, not just politically, there are people who cross the line, and I want you to disagree if you disagree, Luke, but well, there are people who cross a line into Trump is a god almost, you know. And it's, you do, it's weird. and you, but you do care about it, but you don't care about it in in relationship. Like the eleven thousand two hundred seven people is way more important than yes, the, yeah. but you do care because it does become important when November rolls around, because if if he's trying to make those connections, not because he believes in it, right, but because he's trying to to rally up a base or get a get a certain voting block. I I have a problem with that and I have a problem with religious leaders being used if that's what they're doing and if and if it's I'm not in those meetings, right? But if it's if 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 a normal person can walk into those meetings and say it's pretty evident that these he's using these people, I I I would have an issue with the people who are quote being used, right? I I think that that is a fair discussion to have, right? He's I mean, he has he has a record of being or appearing to be a very disingenuous person. Right? So for us for us to to say for us to say and you I know I don't want to put you in a bad spot, Lucas. I do. Go for it. listen, you've had conversations with him. Both of you have. I have never talked to the man. I'm telling you he has an appearance, right? Doesn't so, that, that's an look, that's an appearance. I, I would like, let's go back to maybe just the celebrity faith thing in general. Like, first of all, yeah. it's very difficult for celebrities to get discipled because if they show up at churches, they show up in meetings, everybody's want to take pictures, they want autographs. And so they they start, you know, it, it almost develops this culture where they can't attend. And there's been some pastors that have done that better than others in terms of like going, hey, this is a this is like a, a personality free zone. And so if you see so and so here, you know, I, I was uh, you know, everybody had a fit about Kanye, you know, and just, oh, this is fake. And this is just another publicity stunt. You know, I was at a Bible study where Kanye was at five years ago in Hollywood. Now, you know, he was at a different place then than he is now. He kind of, you know, showed up in the back of the room, hung out for a little bit, you know, and then took off. And I also know elders at the church, you know, where he's, you know, attending or at least, you know, had, had kind of began that uh, that journey at. And so, you know, and talk through that process. It's a journey. I mean, we yeah. all have people like Trump that are at our church that are sitting in rows that we're talking and yucking it up with after service, and we don't have a problem with them because they're not president. 
Right. And, you know, they're right. they're partial, you know, they're they're doing their thing. They're they're excited. They're 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 talking about their business and, you know, whatever it is. And but nobody gets overly offended by that. Right. But the moment he becomes president. So I would say I would actually argue that the church is leveraging Trump more than Trump is leveraging the church mm. in a good way. Interesting. All right. Well, that's, you know, I, and that's a, I think it's a totally fair take. I mean, you've got more insight to it than I do. So and, and I love I think you I think you make a good point about the celebrity the celebrity thing is something else. Like there's a, there are plenty of radio guys that I listen to who I know what they're, what they're like in real life. Right. But they, 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 they tweak it for the radio. Right. I mean, listen, Billy, you know, as, as dumb as he sounds on this podcast is actually a very thoughtful, <laughs> considerate person. Right. But that's not, that's not the persona he plays on, on radio. Right. right? Until he's rubbed your arm with one of those purple gloves that he has on. <laughs> And you haven't felt true compassion. I mean, <laughs> it yanks the hair off your arm. It's that awful latex that just uh. sticks to the hair on your arm. You know, it's. I think it's interesting because the point you make about the church leveraging, I think it goes both ways, honestly, because yeah. we, we've talked to, I mean, I've talked to many people, Jettison Franklin, as you mentioned, and he actually said to me when I pressed him on this, because you know I'm obnoxious and I'm going to ask the awkward question, he said, what other choice do we have? You know, and I actually thought that was a really and I told sure. you this, Chris, I called you and I said, what other choice do we have? And I had no problem with him saying that because the reality is you do have a choice. And I understand people who are principled like you, Chris, who couldn't make that choice for for Trump last time. So you just you chose to vote for Joe the plumber uh, or whoever you wrote in. I get that. But the reality is you do have two options. You have Joe Biden right now, most likely, or Trump. And I think when you are a pastor and there are certain issues you're concerned about, you might say, I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to support or I'm going to support this person because I can look past. But here's the problem. And I do think that it would be helpful. And I want you guys to fight me on this. If as Christians, we dealt with this, Christians spent decades yelling at everybody about everything. Yep. Oh, oh, you got too close. To, oh, you oh, you went to a website. You know, maybe you shouldn't have. Oh, you did this. And of course, these are things we shouldn't be doing. But we told everybody how to live forever. Right. And then suddenly Trump comes along and we, for the first time ever, are saying, we don't think you have to be a moral person to be president. And you're seeing this in polling. Yeah. The polling data flipped on its head. Yep. And so right. I think I think we need to address that. And then I'm going to shut up. But I want to say one more thing. At the same time, the left needs to address the fact that they told evangelicals for decades to stop putting morals and faith yeah. into politics. Right. And they've now gotten their wish. So. Shut up, left. You've gotten what you wanted. And right, right. you know what? Maybe you should right, explain it. But, but the left never betrayed its principles. Its principles were always abandoned morality, right? Our principles, there are, there are many people on the right who have abandoned their, I should say, abandoned their stated principles. Sure. But what other choice do you have? And this is where it goes back to that. Well, you, you have, have a choice two not to. You giant have, turds. You have, I would <laughs> take the turd that was less fresh because it doesn't smell as bad. I would love Trump. Do I agree with everything that he's done or said? No. But, you know, when you start looking at, um, if you start looking at the, the people that the church upholds in Scripture, you know, we put King David and Trump, you know, next to each other. I, I think that I think that there's a toss up in terms of, you know, moral character and issues in the past and all these other kinds of things. Now, I'm not going to make a judge. I'm not voting for Trump or supportive of him. Now, I am worried about our 
this two trillion dollar stimulus package. Oh, yeah. Why are you worried? You know, let's, let's, I, want, I do want to get. You know? I do want us to get into that in a little bit. But I do yeah. want. I want to hear your what you still had to say about. Yeah. So, but, I mean, I I think that he's made. I think he's honored a lot of what he said. I think he has you know delivered on those promises. I, I continuously see him, you know, put faith in the conversation. On this call, I mean, he's quoting a passage from Isaiah. Did a speechwriter give that to him? Did somebody bring that to him to read? I have no idea. But, it was the you two know, Corinthians. They brought it to him. <laughs> sorry. sorry. But it, it, I, thought he, I thought he handled it very well. It felt very genuine. And, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, think that, I think we're past the argument of, well, we don't, you know, we didn't want to vote a pastor in, you know, we needed a president. To me, like, I don't have to excuse anything. I mean, yes, there's stuff 13 years ago or whatever. If we're all of a sudden finding stuff today, but to me, the evidence of the way in which his family has stood, behind, you know, beside him, I think that says something about somebody's character. Um, and I don't think that we saw, I don't think we see that same level of like family dynamic in any other candidates that are out there. But we have seen it in mafia families. So <laughs> leave Ivanka alone and that poor <laughs> Tiffany. Leave her alone. Ivanka is impressive. I've always said this when I watched The Apprentice, I always found them all very impressive. And I'm not joking about that. I think I think they're a really interesting family. I've interacted a bit with Don Jr. over the years. And the other thing about this, and this is the crazy thing about God. And I don't know, like Lucas fact check me, but I <laughs> feel free I'll be either of you. But, you know, like when we talk about God being able to use anyone, the events that happened, I mean, it's possible that Trump became president for a multitude of reasons, but maybe it's so that he finds Christ in the end. Maybe it's so that he, these people are in his face every single day. You know how many times he's heard the gospel? We had Phil Robertson, I think on this show from Duck Dynasty, talking about how he wrote the gospel out on a napkin or something. Remember, and he like handed it to him. I mean, he has been presented with the gospel so many times. And so I just, I try to look at things and say, you know, there are other purposes in all in all of these things, I, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not God. I can't tell you what's in somebody's heart. That's for I I don't I don't have any. I don't have. Cons I believe that Trump has accepted the gospel. Now, I don't think he understands it to the way that somebody who's been in church for 30 years does, or you know, somebody who's you know having you know uh, in depth Bible studies every single week or whatnot. But I think that he's growing in that, and I think you're seeing an evolution. From when he started, you know, with like the what was it George Barna brought together was part of the group that brought together 500 pastors in New York or whatever early on to where we are today with the level of prominence that the that he you know continues to bring Christianity in the mix. I mean, he's I mean, it way beyond even like a George W. That you know, I mean, that Christianity is now very front and center. I go ahead, Chris. So I I, I think my bigger issue with Trump isn't Trump. I think my bigger issue is a lot of the people who have decided that because this guy that I support is going after people I don't like, I can be a horse's ass too. That's yeah. that that's my I mean, that's my bigger I think that's my that's my real beef. And and I think and I think and I think coupled with that, it has brought in some characters that I don't think are healthy for the conservative movement, including people who are not conservatives but are identifying as such. Yes. Those those are the two things. It has tainted the conservative movement. One, it is it has it has given people permission for bad behavior, right? And it has brought in people who are people who are charlatans, who are not real conservatives, whatever you want, whatever terms you want to use. That those are my bigger issues with the Trump president. It's not with Trump himself because if you look at his policies, I've agreed with a lot of them. 
right? Not all of them. I'm not going to agree sure. with any president's policies all the time. And, 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 and I have been, I have to say, and Billy and, and Billy and I talk every day. I have to say that, and, and Billy knows this, I have been pleasantly surprised with a lot of the Which stuff. Which I told you, I did tell you you would be, did I not? In you did, you did. And I wisely didn't <laughs> listen to you, but you were still right. So I, I, but that's my bigger issue. What, what, what's your reaction? That. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So I would agree with that. I think that, um, I, I, I mean, I really like Trump. I don't always like Trump supporters and they're, um, you know, the, the, the rah, rah around Trump, I think is fine. But I think that there are certainly those who have taken it into aggressiveness, hate speech, you know, constantly slandering other people, this sort of thing. And, uh, I, I don't think you can police that. I don't think that's necessarily Trump's fault, you know, for just being a hype man that, you know, he's responsible for every single, you know, thing that one of his supporters or somebody who says they support him does. I do agree with you that there is a constituency of conservatives, so-called conservatives that have uh, they're promoting conservatism without any sort of moral um, underpinnings uh, foundation. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's uh, that that won't last very long and i think it's the same thing that's happened in the church in the past with some of the seeker sensitive movements and these things where there were people that were christians but didn't have a foundation for christianity and it typically only lasts kind of one generation yeah. and then it sort of implodes on itself and so that that's a greater concern i think for sure can we address the fact that i hate trump's twitter feed i know some people like oh. it but the thing that has enraged me the most during the covid thing has been the tweets about his approval ratings. I or about, I'm sorry about his about his ratings on TV. It's it's embarrassing, and it makes me. I'm like, shut up yes. right now because I can't. It is, and because you watch him, and I actually have no. I think he's handled this well since denying it in the beginning. Once he realized it was an issue, and I know that his. I know the official talking point on that is I didn't want to freak people out. I think he didn't think it was going to come here. Rah rah rah, America. Well, as soon as it. When he shut down on on January twenty January thirty first, when he shut down the border to China, shut down travel, I think he started taking it seriously. I don't think he's handled it badly. What I do think is terrible is I'm doing better than The Bachelor. That crap has got to stop. People are dying. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um. And I know that everyone laughs about that for some reason. It has made me. I mean, I'm not enraged. I can't really care enough to get enraged. But I find it weird that nobody is saying to him, "You've sent a number of tweets about this. Please stop. It's embarrassing us." I got I got nothing there. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's it is what it is. You know, he's a seventy year old New Yorker that's kind of grown up in in. Uh, I'm a seventy year old New Yorker. Okay, <laughs> I'm a... <is> true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I but, can't. But I, that in his but, sniffing. Well, I, I can't handle this. I I hate the tweets because yeah, and the sniffing like he just got done doing a line. What I hate though, I do hate the tweets. I don't like the, the unprofessionalism of, of the of the office, right? If you're outside the office of president, knock yourself out, right? But, but none of this crap would have gotten done, though. This is why he's totally disrupted the system, and nobody knows what to do. do I do it's like, like when he's mean It's like answer, getting in a right? fight with somebody and being like, you know, it's like somebody wanting to beat you up and being like, oh, you have something in your teeth. And, like, they just stop talking. They, like, stop being aggressive. And I think Trump <laughs> has done that with, like, the entire world. And in a very, like... Awkward, yeah, brilliant fashion. I, I do think that he's oddly consistent. And that's the thing I have to. This is what Trump has been doing for years. He called Rosie O'Donnell terrible names on Twitter. He's the things he's done. And, you know, we right, know but when you're president, when, stop it. Well, yeah, but he's not going to. 
And that's the thing. He's oddly consistent. Unless you put a teleprompter in front of him, you're going to get the same thing. When I interviewed him the times I did, he would turn questions back on you. Just like I was watching him do it yesterday. I'm like, this is like when you asked me about Obama's birth certificate. Like, I remember him <laughs> turning the question back on me and me being like, I am not engaging with this. Um, so it's, yeah, listen, I think it's super interesting. But having said that, have either of you been infected with COVID yet? Or are we still healthy? No, but you, and so... I'm I, good. I can't. I haven't yet, but but here and here's why. Because I have had the wind of the Holy Spirit here to keep me from having it. Just a second. So I can't. I can't play the longer clip because of ah, what he said earlier. But it. this. But this I've oh. clipped, and this can be our COVID update thing. Okay. Stop it. COVID nineteen. Can you even hear that? Try it again. COVID nineteen. Well, that can be our COVID nineteen update clip. That's what I have to say to COVID. <laughs> I can't. You are setting me up because you know I cannot contain myself, and now I have to contain myself. <laughs> that's pretty much the main reason. I, I will that. say that's a lot of wind power out of the mouth of a very elderly person. <laughs> He's. I see. Here, I, I feel like I'm always. This is why you guys brought me on this show. I am. I'm friends, to... I'm friends with people in their family. I think that I think there's wonderful things going on over there. Oh sure. But oh, I believe that. I understand. And he like still like downhill skis at eighty years old. It's crazy. He's amazing. actually eighty three, which is hence why I can't I said even that. downhill ski anymore. That um, <laughs> that poof that came out of his mouth. I mean, I don't know. I can't do that at thirty six. So I don't know how that's happening at eighty three. Um, so and listen, I, listen. I think I don't. I don't know. I don't know him at all. Right. But all I can do is make fun of everything I see. Right. That's all I can do. <laughs> That's your job here. Right. My job, God has sent me to help set you two straight. <laughs> is he really worth $760 million? I, I find that, I'm not critiquing that. I find it phenomenal. I don't know for sure, but it's a what lot. What is he do you, selling? Do you find that believable? Um, that he's worth yeah. that much? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I actually don't, I, I don't and I step outside of, yeah, I, I mean... I, yeah, we, that's I mean, actually our next episode. We should talk about that. When you go to a place like Kenya or Uganda and yeah. people have books of, you know, my books aren't selling over in Uganda. Nobody's heard of me on the streets of Uganda, but like you can go all around the world and people know who he is. Yeah. Like everywhere. Yeah. Billy's, yeah, Billy's, I'm not going to discount his ministry. I'm concerned that he's able to blow so much air out in such a poop. <laughs> I, I might be concerned about more than just the blowing the air out, but I, <laughs> Listen, I think that anytime you find some, hear somebody say something that sounds to the rest of the world and maybe even to me ridiculous, you play you it. You realize and what you show laugh. you're on, right? <laughs> exactly, right? All I know is that there's only one person on this podcast that's going to get invited to the White House again or to the Copeland's house. I think there's zero not, people on this podcast. It is not going to be me. I went to one event with the Trump people, and they never invited me back again. So we've we've been there. Well, that's we've, because, I've done that. But listen, listen, we have seen pictures of you at buffets, Billy. You take the entire chafing dish. No wonder you're the, not going to be invited back. He's like back. grabbing chicken legs with the purple gloves. Hey, hey. There's only one of us old enough on this call to say chafing dish, and it and it's you. I'm barely older than Lucas. I'm just a couple years. Did you wear older your bonnet, me. Chris, when you said that? Um, so, I guess having said that, though, the whole the whole COVID thing, right? Because that was our awkward transition. Can you play oh, it one oh, more time? I I'm gotta so find it. I gotta find it. Oh my! 
I had found it earlier. Just a second. Where'd it go? Hold on. I, you need to play it Here again. I want to analyze the poop. Can you turn the volume up? So, um, so this is our awkward transition. I'm gonna lose all my friends. Oh, that didn't work. That wasn't very loud. There we go. Awkward transition. That was very sweet. And we're not gonna hear the poop again from Kenneth. Don't oh, worry. Oh wait, we're you gotta hear the poop. We have the poop. Yeah, louder. Okay, just a second. And COVID nineteen. <laughs> Sorry. You gotta do Every the motion. Every time you say something stupid, I want to play just that. <laughs> do I need to oh get my the gosh. sound? Okay. Um, I'll edit that for next time. I mean, so I would like COVID nineteen to go poop. I am so tired of being self isolated. Am I alone in this? I'm getting a lot of stuff done right now. Are you? I'm getting less done than ever. So I mean, but it's it's different kind of stuff. I'm not making any money, but I'm getting stuff done. <laughs> So, like, around the house or, like, ministry things or both? Um, no, I mean, some stuff around the house. My wife would probably contradict that if she heard me say it. She's mostly getting stuff done around the house. <laughs> I am I'm reading a lot of books, doing a little writing. Um, you know, so it's, like, all those projects and web stuff, all those projects that, like, you never have time for. I'm jumping into them. And I'm watching – I'm binge-watching Chicago PD. Okay, well, I'll <laughs> pray for you on that. So, but I – Billy, what, I can't get things done. You need to you need to regale the the podcast listeners of what you've been doing because because you've been documenting the nonsense in the Howell yes. House. I and it's been I take a highly three entertaining to five, three to five minute video every day. It's more than that of of ridiculous footage that happens in my house. And one day I sent Chris a clip, and he was like, "You're living in a mental institution." That was you his need, reaction. To my- <laughs> you need to use that poof noise. To your youngest daughter when she like screams at the camera. She's not everybody. <laughs> everybody thinks that she's a character. That's the feedback I'm getting from people like your yes. daughter needs her own show. Yeah, and she, she has no idea that she's ridiculous. And so she dropped an apple in the toilet. So yeah, I'm, I've been documenting it mainly for our own memories. I'm like, this will be great memory. So I started sharing it because it's so ridiculous. And some of it's been awful. I mean, some of it's been a lot. Most of it has been fun. It's been good time with the family together. But honestly, I haven't. I've been wearing shorts and weird sweatshirts for weeks on end. Like two days go Lucas, by and I haven't I've showered. Seen pictures. They're not just shorts. They're short shorts. They're <laughs> like hot pants. <laughs> Daisy Duke. <laughs> so, I mean, I just I can't. I just, this whole thing is so. And and having said that, it's not all terrible. You know, I do think there's some really interesting parts of being together all the time, but the kids are feeling it. But yeah, anyway, I've got, I just got this picture of you on the Peloton with the short shorts. I just, I just vomited in my mouth for you. Um, so, you know, it's working with Hollowell. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually ill with the image of my own self in Daisy Dukes. Um, I don't know. How are you guys handling? I just I, Lucas, you're apparently you're living your best life. Chris, how are you doing? Well, he doesn't have children to bring him down. Right? <laughs> so there's there's that. He was smart and decided, you know, I'm not going to have children. I figured I'd wait till after the pandemic. So <laughs> <laughs> No, I you know, we have we have three kids and they are six kindergarten, nine third grade, and twelve seventh grade, right? So the seventh graders in junior high, and so she's got like eight classes she has to keep up with. Or will have to, but no, we've been quarantined. But I, I, I would be interested in your take on the philosophy behind quarantining. By the way, whether you agree with doing that or not, Lucas, and with the whole process of what we're doing. But no, it's been actually not bad for us because we. I live in a small farming town in southeast Washington State, 
right? I mean, the, we call the, it East Bum. The nearest, the nearest shopping to do is 30 miles away, right? Oh so wow. We're in, a, we're in a farming community. We have, if we, if you look at the state of Washington, there are two counties that don't have coronavirus cases yet confirmed, and we're one of them, right? So it's just, but it's, but that's that has to do with us. They took early. The, the county took steps early to, to to fight this, right? To say we're we're going to close down the courthouse. You just if you want to if you want to interact with the courthouse, and need to get paperwork done. We'll have a box outside. So this is the kind of place where you can put a box out box outside with people's information in it, and it's fine at the courthouse. So we've got that, but we're also we're also spread out already, right? And we don't. So everybody's panicking about well, what what am I going to do with my my kids because like the stores are closed, the theaters are closed, the malls closed. We, you know, the restaurants are closed. What are we going to do? And we're like, it doesn't impact us. We don't have stores, malls, theaters, and you know, restaurants, you know, which yeah, the Amish already, typically don't. Right. We're already, <laughs> we're already homebodies. So, you know, we got that going for us. We're used to spending time together. The, the biggest hit for us. And I think you, and you're probably experiencing some of the things is, is ministry stuff. Like we're very, we're heavily involved in ministry at the school, both the elementary and the junior high and senior high. So we do a lot of stuff with them. We can't right now. Right. But we did when they had spring break last week and our school does meals for, for K through 12, right. Or pre-K through, through 12, uh, through 12th grade, they, for, um, free and reduced lunch. And so during this, whatever this quarantine time, the school has been providing, uh, breakfast and lunches for kids to take home. And so they've been giving them two or three days a week. They give them enough supplies to get them going for two to three days of breakfast and lunch. And so, but for spring break rolling around, the school wasn't scheduled to do that. Didn't have the food to do it. Didn't have any of the manpower to do it. And so our church said, we'll do it. And so the school partnered with us and sent all the kids to the church. And so the, so we did like 350 meals in a week, which was, which was a ton of fun. So we've been able to do that ministry thing, but then we're also involved in the, in the youth ministry and I can't meet with my kids. Right. I mean, I, are you guys doing virtual stuff? We're doing some, but our kids, but listen, what's about farm kids? All right. And, and they're not, they're not kids are like, I'm going to sit around on the internet and watch videos of people together. I and mean, it's just not what they do. Right. They'll right. text on, they'll text to each other in the same room, but they're not going to sit around and watch a video together of us having a virtual Bible study. It's just not what they do. Got so, it. but we're, we keep, we call them and send them emails or texts or whatever and try to keep up with them that way. But so we're heavily involved with the youth. I'm, I'm a football coach. I can't have any contact with my football players. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, can't happen. Nothing of it happens. Right. So that's, that's the big killer to me. But, but as far as like everyday life, I, I go to work at four 30 and get done around three. And I usually have the afternoons with my kids. So that's already, we're already doing that. So it right. hasn't been bad. I think it wouldn't be so bad had we had some sort of foresight to think that maybe gutting our kitchen out and having <laughs> garbage all over our part. house was not a good idea before the, this. The um, I love that you don't have a kitchen for this time. That's the best part of you coronavirus. You have a stove and a fake sink. Uh, <laughs> is it still empty? Every room has boxes in it. It's have not you empty. Have since you started uh, coronavirus quarantine? I lost six pounds, yeah, but Initially, I feel like I gained, gained it back, it back in the last probably. few days. Yeah, yeah I a think couple I, pounds. I think I've actually gained weight, so which I don't know, but are you stress pounds, eating? Are you stress eating? Or is I'm it just because you're in the home? I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm just like I'm by the fridge. I like yeah. sit, like working by it, and so it's yeah. an easy back and forth. Um, um, I'm kind of in like a in an area that's probably in the middle of what you guys are doing, you know. So I mean, Billy, you're obviously you know uh, you got kind of New York that you're dealing with. Uh, you know, Krista Farmer, we're in you know a suburb of South Bend, so. 
you know, we have malls and, you know, theaters and all that kind of stuff close. University of Notre Dame's down the street. Uh, I think I think if we would have had a little bit more time to like forecast that this was coming, obviously you could have prepared for it more. I mean, the, the bigger impact for me is is definitely on kind of a media company side. We had like tons of work lined up and it's going to be some big months for us in March, April, May. And so that got all shut down because we, we film a lot of events with our teams and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, but uh, the the church side of it, we've been able to really maintain digitally, I think, pretty well. Good. Uh, you know, we'll see when we come out of this, you know, if everybody shows back up and we still have people or maybe they're all watching, uh, you know, Jensen Franklin and, uh, you know. Um, uh, Greg, Greg Laurie. <laughs> Sorry, Greg Laurie. Nope. I want to forget right. that name. Yes. Um, you know, I do wonder how this changes the church and changes all of us. I mean, they're saying that this is going to go on. There's some you were saying, Chris, the L.A. Times was it that had the article about two years. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. We're, there, some level of this is going to go on, and I the think the real reason for, for that, that is they know it's coming back in the fall and the spring again. Yeah, the people won't stand for that, though. I don't think. I don't no. think. It, I don't think it can go that long. I don't. I don't. This, I don't think the Americans will. Spanish, I think the Spanish flu went on for like almost three years. Yeah. That's so, I, would have, I would have locked myself in a cellar <laughs> if, if the Spanish flu were going on. I mean, you know, funny. I, here's I don't mind the homeschool as much. I'm just tired. And like every time I talk to Chris, like you sound tired. I'm tired. And it's mostly because of the of having to like everything we do. I feel like we're Laura, Laura Ingalls Wilder. We're like what, we were washing things in the bathroom. <laughs> He's churning his now own butter. Now we're finally washing, churning butter. You're making and your it's own cheese. Like, We've been, you know, hand washing every everything, which is fine, you know, but but like there's no end in sight to and this is a silly first world problem. There's no end in sight. We might not have a kitchen for three months. You know what I mean? So like brings me so it's, much joy. Chris loves it. Chris loves it. And I just feel I'm just like, come on. I'm, I've been like emailing the contractor. Have you heard anything? So, you know, these are minor things. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got food. I've been have you guys been hoarding anything? Because that's actually something I've been I've been doing. I've been hoarding things. <laughs> I have a big deep freezer that uh, is like my father-in-law actually has a couple cows or steer that he raises each year. So we have like a ton of meat, you know, so we were really good there. We're kind of always on. Um, Am I hoarded anything else? I mean, not, not especially. Ice cream bars. Ice cream bars? No. We don't, we have toilet paper. No, but see, we always have a a stock of, we've always had stuff. I mean, we've always, and before... When the lockdown first kind of started, they're talking about doing this. JC went out and did some extra. We went out and did some extra shopping, but like two months worth of, gro- you know, not two months worth, a month worth of groceries, you know, at once and have kind of up, you know, kept up with our supply, you know, having kids home all day and everybody home oh, all day. Eat. Right. So there, there's eat. more food that's consumed, more resources that are used. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, people, now, there, was, there was a paper that came out this week about the data about, you know, about why there are toilet paper shortages. And the reason isn't so much because people are hoarding, though that happened at the beginning. It's because people are home. And home toilet paper usage, according to research, has gone up 75%. It's it's gone up 75%. Most people do their business (laughs) at work. And so now they're doing it at home. That's so weird. I need need home court advantage for that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'd rather turtle head it the whole way oh, to I get home I don't, and do it. I don't want to put anybody at the office through that. Oh, I was. I just I'm, said, I'm, oh, I just said I turtle dislike, head, so I've we should dis- just edit this out. I've always disliked my coworkers so much that I took glory in being able to defile the bathroom. <laughs> oh well, like our, our, our you grocery, know, I just uh, our grocery store in town know. though we haven't had shortages here. I mean, they they'll send out yeah. pictures like here's what we got. I bought eight rolls. 
I'm good. 80 rolls? Are you serious? I, I told Chris I in early March. I didn't see those purple gloves with 80 rolls of toilet paper walking out of it. On <laughs> March 3rd, before this all went crazy, I had a prophetic vision that I needed to buy toilet paper, okay? <laughs> and, and I said to Andrea, my wife, I'm ordering a box of toilet paper. And she was thinking, oh, like 20 rolls, 10 rolls. And she said, how many? I said, I ordered a box for $47 of 80 rolls of Scott <laughs> toilet paper. So we're four rolls in. We only have, I said to my kid, we only have 76 rolls left. Use it sparingly. Do you have a Costco near you? Uh, we do, we have but I, yeah, we do. I refuse to go to a store. So you guys are wonderful for doing I will not go into a store anymore. <sighs> so, so, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we need, wh- we need the awkward transition bell. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> play it this, i'm trying this, this stupid laugh. you're the worst you ruin every you're like oh. fire up that generator again <laughs> so we we're ending this in six minutes because okay. i can't do more than an hour today Sorry. um just because i cannot look at you anymore well, either of I, you but i will so, say am i, so I my, will say so much just like my office so oh they, they finally sat down but my office sits just outside our family room and so I have double glass doors right there, and there, my kids for the last twenty minutes were just standing at that door staring at me while I was talking. Like, Are you about done? It's dinner time, so they're sitting down watching dinner. My son's a late kind of a, into, really into Lego, so they've watched that Lego Masters show. So I think they're watching that right now. Uh, anyway, so, so do you guys? There's this whole debate now, and there's conservatives who a lot of conservatives speaking out endlessly. Some of them I like, and they're friends actually, and I just I'm not engaging in it because I don't want to lose friends. Uh, but that are basically very much in the camp of this is a conspiracy, basically. Or, if not a conspiracy, the we should have never shut down. This is the flu. We should have treated it like a hangnail. That camp. Yeah, And, those are, and those are two separate camps, too, because there are some people who are saying yeah. that it's a conspiracy, <laughs> and there are others who are saying this was overblown yeah. and that it is being used by people with ill intent. So, I mean, I I'm not... I followed some of the Q stuff for a little bit and I just don't, I don't buy it. You know, I just don't think that it's a real thing. I think that it's a bunch of star Wars guys in their basement, you know, just messing with the country at this point. Is Billy frozen on your screen? No, he's not frozen on my side. Oh, he's frozen for me. And it's this. I awkward, wish he was. But this he's awkward, not. Horrible. <laughs> I hate you both. I guess I'm just a minute here. Cause he was quiet too. So I thought, yes. Is he still frozen? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so I, I think that I I think that um, while, while I don't necessarily jump in fully with like the whole Q conspiracy level stuff, I I do think that there's information from the Chinese side that is we're not getting the whole picture. You know, there's just no way that the whole world has this problem. But yet Beijing doesn't. Right. And they were somehow spared. So either the numbers are a lot higher there and we just weren't told it. But that seems hard to conceal. But maybe they could do it. I don't know. Uh, I just feel like there's enough other people living in those areas that it would come out. Um, but, you know, by and large, like, I think that it is a real thing. We need to do our part to uh, slow it down. You know, we've seen pandemics in the world history before. So why couldn't one happen? I think it's pretty far-fetched to think that there's like these James Bond villains sitting in a room, yeah. you know, trying to take over the whole world with this, except for Bill Gates. <laughs> well, there are people who, and here's what I'll give. There are people who are seizing on the opportunity. I have said from the beginning, I feel like there are certain people on one side of a certain aisle who are going to try to implement universal health care and everything else as a result of this, right? Because it's an opportunity 
And and there have been people who have accidentally almost said that, right? And this politicians who've almost said that. Uh, having said that, I think that's just what people, what certain people do when a crisis hits. I don't think that's there's some orchestrated plan to make that happen. They it's just like have PR the 101, you know, like right. you use what's going on in the media to push your agenda and talk about your thing. Like, I get it. I understand it. I do think that, you know, socialists are going to use this as an opportunity. You know, there's uh, the other thing that drew, drove me crazy was the report that like Trump was pushing the 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 uh, malaria drug because he had stock in it. And then the Washington Post comes out and shows that like they had like 150 or between 150 and 1500 dollars in in you know yeah. santa fe like events that makes the drug and that's yeah, the money that you know it's just like that that stuff is just it's just stupid so uh i think that everybody's just freaking out and you know i don't know it's a mess yeah i mean stop taking pictures of me I, um i'm just trying to get I, i'm trying to get a screenshot for our for the piece when we have it he's got to send something to your mom so she knows you're okay <laughs> My mom's going to hear this one day and sue us. Um, so, yeah, I just I think that I, I do think there's a real problem. I just want to say this. OK, and I want fight me. Feel free to fight me. But there's a real problem that there are people who are looking at numbers. I don't care if the projections were one hundred and fifty thousand and there's sixty thousand now. There are the reality is that if you go to New York City and you walk into a hospital, the hospitals are overridden. People are freaking out. Doctors are getting sick. Nurses are on respirators. Paramedics are overwhelmed to look at what is currently happening. OK, I'm not talking about the projections, what is currently happening. And to somehow with a human brain that God gave you walk away from that and say, we should treat this like the seasonal flu defies all logic. Yeah, I just have to I agree with that. that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, right, because the seasonal flu doesn't because we we, we have immunity to it and there's a there, you know, whatever. You can get a shot every year. When you look at this, this is much more serious currently. Does that than, mean, though, that every single like place in Wyoming or Montana right. or where Chris right. lives needs to be like totally locked down at the same level? Like, Probably I not. That, you know, yeah. I, if you can put some borders around your your city or your state, then I think that, you know, we could prevent that. But I think in a place like New York, like it makes sense that it's shut down for as long as it needs to be. And, and I'm Florida okay. and Florida. Yeah. 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 Well, and I'm I, OK being, you know, inconvenienced for time if it means saving somebody else's life. And one of the and one of the biggest things about this and what the what the naysayers about this, the quarantine fail to, I think, grasp or admit is that there is so much unknown about this, like some scary yeah. stuff unknown. Like there's reports today. I sent you two of them, Billy. One is that eighty percent, eighty percent of people on respirators in New York City are dying. So they're like, we don't, we're taking them off the respirators, right? Respirators aren't the answer. And it's because they're having blood oxygen issues. People are walking in without any issues, it, it, showing no symptoms, but their blood oxygen is way down. But they're not showing any. They're not having trouble breathing. And it might so affect there's something your else. heart, right? right? And That's then there's the other one. There's saying, there's yeah. the, the decay of the heart. There's oh. there's heart disease happening. That that's why they think a lot of these heart attacks are actually COVID nineteen deaths. And then there was a report what last week or the week before, Billy, you and I were talking about where there was some brain deterioration in some of these people who had COVID. And they're like, we don't know where this brain deterioration comes. They did this person did not have a disease that we know of that caused this brain problem. So we don't right. know what this disease can actually do. But, but all I know is if I got it, I would be calling Kenneth Copeland over the two of you to pray for me. <laughs> COVID-19! <laughs>
So <laughs> I, I think where the I think where the justified frustration is mm-hmm. is in that all of these models had these huge numbers, right? And a lot of these models that had big numbers continue to bring the numbers down in their estimates, but they had uh, social distancing or 100% social distancing factored in allegedly from the very beginning. And they keep lowering the numbers saying yeah. if we social distance, we'll only have 100 to 240,000 deaths. And now it's we'll have 81,000. Then it's 60,000 this week. What is it? If you, they don't know. Right, and that's the problem. Or they're they lying. don't know. Right. They, they don't know or they're lying. I think it's more they just don't know. I think they really I, don't I, know. And how could they? I think it's fair, yeah. you know, except for Dr. Fauci. He's the mastermind behind it all. I don't know. <laughs> I, can I, I want to ramble about one more thing all because right. this is also enraging to me because I keep seeing it and it's making me very angry. Well, you get, you're get an angry person. No, I, always keep, angry. I say that I'm angry and I'm like, I really, if I but cared, Italian, I'd be angry. I, well, I'm agitated by it. Okay. When people are like, oh, they're counting, you might have like, you might have you know, cirrhosis of the liver and you got COVID and you died. How unfair is it that you're counting COVID as the cause of death? Um, of course it's the cause of death. Because you were surviving before you got COVID. Right. So if you have some other medical issue and you got COVID and you died, dummy, you died because of COVID. Right. It's completely fair to include it in the numbers. Right. Are, are these people Listen, insane? If a, cancer pa- okay. if, a cancer, if a cancer patient is in the hospital, right, and they're dying of cancer and the, and the doctor says you got four to six weeks left to live. And the nurse accidentally puts the wrong chemical in his IV, and he dies from that chemical in his IV. Guess what happens? Is that nurse not guilty of killing the guy? Right. No. He died. He didn't die of cancer. He was dying of cancer. But what killed him was the nurse putting the wrong stuff in his IV. So, so in their mind, and no offense, listeners, because I know some of you are going to be annoyed that I'm saying this. In your mind, if you believe this, you find it problematic that. COVID killed the per- COVID killed the person. This is not some scheme to enhance the numbers. It's what happened. Anyway, I just I, and I, I think that's where you have to like come back to the humanity of it. Like we're so I mean we've had these numbers and press conferences thrown at us for so long that you forget like the individual stories. And because of HIPAA, you're not seeing hospitals. You're not they're not doing lots of interviews with patients and right. and things like that as much. And so you don't see the humanity of it or the the kids that are stuck in the 400 square foot house with you know six family members and can't leave and everything, you know, like we're not seeing that, that side of this. And there's a, there's a lot more dark stories that I think are going to come out on the other end of this thing, you know, once we're through it, than than what we're hearing right now. I mean, it's like the Sandy hook truthers. I just can't, I can't. So, and, and I, this sounds, this sounds morbid, but I'm like, when I see that the death toll is, I'm using using air quotes, people who are listening is only 14,000 people. There's a part of me that's, I am so excited. I'm so glad that it's that low, right? Yeah. There's yeah. another part of me that's going, well, I'm disappointed, but not disappointed that we have that few numbers, but that, so have we been being lied? It just, it's totally befuddling to me. I don't understand how are we so apparently off. Look, so here, here's, and this is back to my defense of, of Trump, you know, so if Trump would have done nothing early on, then everybody, and if it would have gotten bad, right. everybody would have accused him of this is your fault, everything else. Uh, when he started closing the borders and in January, everything else, everybody accuses him of overreacting and, you know, kind of this, uh, you know, being bigoted towards people of other countries and, you know, uh, and, and so there's no, he did the only thing that I think he could have done, and that was wait for it to show itself as actually a problem and then act swiftly. And, and so, you know, 
Nobody knows what those numbers are going to be. I mean, we've not done this before. We've seen it in other countries. We've seen Italy. We've seen Wuhan. And so I think that, you know, they're responding. Like, I get that, you know, there's going to be some businesses out there and business owners that are going, hey, I'm pissed. There's only 14,000 people that have died. I just shut down my whole company and nobody even got affected. But, you know, when you're seeing like 11 people dying from one nursing home in a weekend, you know, as a result of this, like, I think it's reason to take it serious and to, you know, embrace the quarantine, Why? stay at home well, and it's pivot. It's just the flu. It's just the flu, Lucas. Why? It's just a seasonal flu. It's so different. But if we, Why right. would that shock you? But if we, so tell me how we answered, listen, and, and I, I'm, I lean toward your side on all of this, right? This is, I, I'm not yet, re- I'm not ready to jump on the anti- Shoot, because I'm right. Right. But, but here's, so here, how do we answer the question, if God willing, only 40,000 people die from this, right? How do we answer the people who say it's not, we have fewer deaths from this than we did from the flu? What's your answer to those folks? I would say, dum-dums, why don't you consider the fact that we self-isolated and nobody self-isolates during the flu season? So let's start there. Um, let's start well, we with the fact resistance that resistance to it too over the last 102 years. Right. 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 And let's also consider the fact that you're comparing numbers Has anybody considered, oh, we're actually looking at a condensed three-week to one-month period? I think that's the stronger point to make. Right, right. And you're looking at a whole year, dum-dums. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming the flu numbers are going to be down this year too, right? I mean, are those are those dropped considerably as a result they of this? They were worse, well, I think, weren't they? No. So, like the flu, the flu numbers that they're quoting now, people that these these, especially people on the right who are like, we can't quarantine. Everybody should be back at work. Blah blah blah. That that group, that crowd that needs to be frankly horsewhipped because of the rhetoric they're using, not because they're necessarily wrong on the what the correct policy is, though I think that they are wrong. They're they're saying that well, look, flu numbers are way down right now. Well, except that the fact that those stats have lagged, and those people who put out those initial reports putting out these charts with flu numbers are way down here. Those those statistics always lag. In fact, there was a gift that came out this week showing that every year they loop and it, it makes this motion this way, makes this motion this way, and it always catches back up. But the reporting on flu deaths is always lagging behind. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, there's all sorts of stuff from I, I'm a. I, I really despise socialism. I don't want to see our country move in that direction. There's a lot of things that are happening right now that that feel like they're leaning that way. I don't get nervous during something like a pandemic about financial decisions or fiscal decisions that we have to make as a country. I want to see what we do afterwards. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's if it's uh, if the whole country, if they're making everybody stay home for three months, okay, if that's what we have to do to beat this thing, let's do it and let's keep a good attitude about it and play our part. But when we get out of here, let's put capitalism back to work in order to get ourselves out. And that's what I'm watching for. And I think that's really going to decide on, you know, really a lot of Trump's reputation moving forward. And we got to we have to jettison what could be bad policies if we if we make them habitual. And we have to and we have to say, are we going to learn anything from this for the next time something like this rolls around? May not be a pandemic. It could be an EMP. It could be, you know, some sort of war. It could be something. Have we learned from if we face a national emergency? How are we going to handle this? Are we going to run around and panic like we have kind of this time? Or are we going to, you know what, we got our stuff together this time. And I do think, and I'm using the word dum-dum as a joke, because these are very smart people, some of them, who are saying this. I think they are right to have concerns about what the policy, like what you just described. What is the right policy? How long do you close down? You can't close down forever. You know, Trump took a lot of heat for saying that. He is correct. At some point, 
unless we want to become a communist country and all descended to poverty, we are going to have to allow right. ourselves to go back yeah. to life in some way, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that may mean changing the way we educate for a time. It may, And we're doing that now. It may yeah. mean being more innovative. I think a lot of companies can work remote and they choose not to, right? Uh, so there, there are a lot of things we need to think about, but I do think they make a good point about that. It's the diminishing, the very specific elements that I mentioned of the diminishing of the reality of we shouldn't have done anything in places like New York even. That is crazy to me. Right. It's like, yeah. come on, you know. All right. I'm done with you guys. We should probably wrap Flat up, out. except you wanted to ask Lucas something about his hair. Oh, you cut you cut your own hair, but that's I did the same, but it actually looks good. Thank How you. is it that you get the swoosh in your hair? Because I think the people want to know. Well, so, I mean, right now I have these headphones on, so it doesn't do, like, the full justice. But, I mean, it's, some people are just blessed, Billy. It's just a good head of hair. And how do you not have any white hair? Because I don't believe that this is legitimate. You know, there's there's a man named John Stamos, and people ask the same thing about him. And uh, yes, I, you're I just know. like John Stamos. You really were like, like Bob's big I boy. Like, I'm sure he colors his hair. I have like one white hair that comes out here, and I usually pluck it. So just for men is the answer. And I believe in healing, and I would have Kenneth Copeland pray for me. That's the other thing. It just keeps it, it keeps it looking good. <laughs> well, guys, this right. has been fun. It has it's been. It's been great. Fun. I feel this like this could be a thing if Chris could get off his rear end and make it happen. Hey, buy some more gasoline for the generator so you can keep <laughs> your power going out there, and let's do this more regularly. Speaking of some of the gas, yeah. some of these generators must have been leaking because we were out in the yard playing. We have a big yard. And we were playing a little bit of Ultimate Frisbee with the kids, and all we could smell was gasoline back there. I don't know what's going on, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure we don't know what's going on. Smelling <laughs> gas at the field house. Shocker. Um, all right, well. All right, are we ready to close this thing up then? It's been real. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, just, well, let's do our little closing thing. Oh. Well, it's been real. Lucas, thank you for being here. Billy, um, this is, it was as good as always to see you. Why am I always the most angry one? Because you're Italian. Fair point. All I was yelling. Lucas, though, aren't you? I'm Italian, too, yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom's maiden name's Corelli. Oh. The Church Boys.